I'm Jim Cawson, live from the Gallup campus here in Omaha, Nebraska. This is Gallup's Builder Talent Tuesday, Season 1, recorded on June 6th, 2017. Builder Talent Tuesday is a Gallup webcast series that dives deep into the builder profile talents, one talent at a time. Today's talent is relationship. If you have questions, comments, or contributions during this webcast, we do have a live chat room that's available for you right below the main video window. If you just look down there, that's where it's at. And uh, go look in the bottom left-hand corner of the chat room. It says log in. Click that button. Choose the guest account. Take out the guest information. It'll say guest and some numbers. Put your own name in there so we know who you are. Then hit submit, and that'll drop you right into the chat room. We've got uh, almost 10 out there now. Your best way to get your uh, questions, and we'll take them live right into the program. Both Micah and I are watching that as well. If you're listening to the recorded version or questions about custom strengths, coaching solutions for small, medium, or large organizations, or anything around the BP10, we'd love to have you email us, coaching at gallup.com. Don't forget to visit the Gallup Strength Center, just gallupstrengthcenter.com for all your Clifton Strengths coaching resources and training needs. Lots of stuff out there, by the way. You can also catch the video on both streaming and downloadable audio for uh, offline listening to our podcasts if you want to do it that way. And by the way, our interns this summer doing a little hackathon. We're going to fix that resource page there. So if you're interested in doing that, the resources on the coaches blog, it's just coaching.gallup.com. Micah Librant is our host today. Micah is a workplace consultant with Gallup. And Micah, always great to have you out here on a Builder Talent Tuesday and welcome. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here. We are just clipping along through these these Builder, pal- builder Talent themes. We're almost done. Yeah, we, I don't have many to go, and we'll have all 10 done by the summit, so we're particularly excited about that. Very excited for today's as we talk about relationship. Micah, why don't you get us started as we look at the companion guide? Yeah, so those especially talented in the relationship theme have strong interpersonal skills. It's all about um, the ability to build and maintain incredible and diverse personal networks. Um, builders or, or, or entrepreneurs or, or leaders with relationship as their top theme tend to rely on those relationships to access resources, to access information, um, to really make sure that they have what they need in order to um, create a successful business. If you look at what's what's so great about this, what's the real power and edge behind relationship, it's that social awareness. Um, they tend to share experiences, exchange ideas, make new contacts with people inside and outside of the industry. And it's almost like a switch that's just always flipped on. Relationship is number one for me personally, and so I'm thrilled to get to dive into this and learn quite a bit more about it today. Um, but from our research, we really understand that um, entrepreneurs with high relationship have this robust and diverse network that they tend to be able to uh, filter through. It's not just about collecting friends. It really is about building mutually beneficial relationships. So what does that look like in action? If you are um, coming across uh, a leader with with great relationship talent, you might find that they are attracting and maintaining a constituency, that they build mutually beneficial relationships. They they tend to use this talent to access internal and external resources. They forge relationships quite easily and very quickly. And those relationships could be with employees, with customers, even um, with, with, I think, other entrepreneurs or other business leaders. Um, those relationships tend to be deeper than just surface level. They do tend to go beyond just the project. They tend to long for a more holistic um, definition of that relationship. They see themselves as having an important connection to other people, both inside and outside of the context of work. Um, folks high in relationship tend to be pretty positive, uh, have a positive attitude and a personal integrity that builds trust. They tend to understand that that kind of personal uh, aspect of, of the work that they do and that representation of who they are, the relationships that they build with others is their greatest asset. Um, and they're, they're usually pretty good at helping, um, I think, break down any sort of barriers, helping people feel safe, helping people feel stable and helping, helping uh, I think, exude themselves as a partner who other people can trust. 
they tend to understand that success, especially in business, tends to be a collaborative, collective effort. Um, usually the effort of a lot of people who come from a lot of different strengths, maybe even different backgrounds and different expertise. And so knowing that and understanding that tends to set folks up who have high relationship talent to be able to make the most of that, um, to think about cultivating and, and improving all of those relationships and always stretching the circle and making it wider. Another thing we want to talk about here is what are perhaps some potential blind spots and then investment opportunities so that you can make the most of um, maybe any potential vulnerabilities. One is that if you are a f somebody who's drawn to relationships, you don't tend to naturally be selective about relationships. It just doesn't sort of come from the same place. So it's important to realize that bigger in terms of your network is not always better that there are places where you do need more friends, more confidants, more trusted advisors. But sometimes in order to truly focus on the task at hand, you need to be selective. So help help remind yourself to be selective about the, the deep associations that you form. You know in your gut what to expect from whom and how to get it. So help yourself be, I think, a little bit more strategic, a little bit more of a leader about how you really focus on those relationships that you already have and how you um, really, really turn those from just a mutually beneficial relationship to one where you're actually developing and getting the most out of people. Um, I think folks high in relationship because of that high social awareness are to be great developers of others and seeing in others that perhaps they didn't see in themselves. Another potential investment in a network that might detract from the business goal. Um, simply put, and I face this time, it's a lot easier to go out and, and make new connections and a lot more fun sometimes than it is to sit at home and grind out on some of the problems that feel less people focused. So think about investing time in a way that helps you maintain a focus on your business. That might mean creating metrics that are compelling to you, metrics that if you improve, will then improve the business. And as long as you've got those measurable goals set up and you accept them and you get excited about them, the way you go about achieving them can be all through people. But I think setting up um, and maybe even getting some help to set up some great goals that will really shift your focus toward where it needs to be uh, is, is certainly a great investment of time. The final blind spot we talk about is sometimes building your network might insulate you from people outside your network. This sounds almost super counterintuitive for people with high relationship because the thought is, well, your network could never be big enough. You could just understand and appreciate and, and reach out to more people, right? Well, if you, if you think about that social awareness and the knack that you have for building that constituency, um, it's easy to get really great at understanding who your insiders are. Um, and so this almost sounds contradictory to that first point about um, being, being selective. But when we talk about this one, it's, it's that reminder to stay curious, to look for diversity of opinion, for diversity of experience, to find people who make you stretch your thinking beyond maybe what's comfortable and beyond building relationships relationships that you normally would. So um, what's out there? How can you get a fresh perspective that you didn't have before? Just a few final things, and then we get to bring in our guest. Um, a couple things we want to think about if you're coaching someone with high relationship. Here's what, what you might want to help them do to, to capitalize on that talent theme. The first is this uh, idea of diversifying your networks. Go beyond just your direct ties. If you look on LinkedIn, you can play the uh, the Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation and you automatically, if you see a new person, it'll say, is this a second degree connection or are there three people in between you? I think about that as a great way to really diversify what you're doing. Go beyond just who you're directly tied to. Think about branching into who you might be tied through through competitors through customers, through suppliers. Um, really what we're encouraging folks with high relationship talent to do this is simply to get better at what they already do best. The second piece is uh, to understand that reciprocity is key. How are you 
helping other people through the information sharing? Um, what is it that you're promising or providing? Um, how can you be the first person in a partnership to offer something valuable? Um, and I think that in many ways, you have to be very transparent about the fact that you might both get something out of this relationship. Um, because if you're dealing with someone who doesn't have high relationship, it can look a little bit manipulative. But for those people with high relationship, it's absolutely not. And I think when you meet someone with this talent, you understand there is a sincerity behind it. Um, it's also important to be able to say, here's how I think we can work together. Um, so what are you celebrating? What should you be noticing about other people? Again, that heightened social awareness might even make you a great mentor and advisor to others about how to build their networks. Third, be selective with whom you invest your time. Who are your most productive employees? Who are your top customers? Who can make the most difference? Uh, social awareness and great social capital, great relationships is not just about creating new relationships. It might also be about investing in very fertile relationships. So think about not just going out and sowing new seeds of who else can we broaden our network for, but also focusing on those plants that are already growing at home and, and really looking at spending time with those who show uh, quite a bit of promise. Fourth, understand the social landscape, especially if you're um, moving to a new place or uh, diving into a new a nuance of your industry. Learn what existing bonds, loyalties, and networks characterize the community that you're walking into. Recognize the norms, recognize the values, the preferences that shape the behaviors of other entrepreneurs in your community, as well as non-entrepreneurs. Um, I think about this in my own life of um, how quickly I was able to pick up the phrase y'all <laughs> after moving to the South. A very simple example of what we're talking about here, but how can you really just understand what it is you're walking into and feel um, feel a part of it? I, I think it's not, it's not about changing. It's not about uh, sort of chameleoning. It really is about how do you honor the very best and the, of, of the values of, of who you're working with. Um, fifth, use your influence to address social issues. Again, that social awareness, I think, makes you um, open to ideas and perhaps solutions to problems that other people might not even see. I can't wait to talk about this one with our guest, Torin, because he has dedicated his whole life to doing quite a bit of this. Um, and finally, think about renewing and reshaping your networks frequently. Um, really your ability to um, to cultivate uh, great benefit from from mutual trust and from strong relationships is is really your best foot forward if you're an entrepreneur with high relationships so we're thrilled to hear how that uh, plays out for you and and hope that that gives you a, a good overview of what the theme truly is in isolation at this point, um, I, since I've given you sort of the overview, I want to now help uh, fill this in, in in form of a real human who has a lot of other great strengths. I'm thrilled to introduce today somebody I met when I taught a certified coaching course um, over two years ago in New York. Torin Perez is with us today. Torin, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Micah. So Torin, you are, um, I love this title, the Global Product Evangelist for Dream Africa and an Inclusive Leadership Specialist. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so first of all, hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Um, it's honestly, it's a privilege to be talking about this topic because um, in many ways, I view my life and the things that I coach and teach and, and proclaim out to the world is our ability to create quality relationships, whether that's at work or outside of work. And um, I do believe that the quality of our lives is highly determined by the quality of our relationships. Uh, so this, to me, is really something that's very personal, um, and that can increase the quality of our lives, no matter what it is that we're trying to do, no matter what industry or business or sector or what our aspirations or goals are. Um, and I think that, so for Dream Africa specifically, I have a pretty neat title. Um, people always wonder, well, what the heck is an evangelist, you know, if you're not familiar with technology? And really, an evangelist is somebody who gives out the good word or shares the good word. Uh, and so in many ways, I look at my role as something that is positive and inspiring and something that the world should know about. Uh, so it kind of, it piques people's ears because they say, well, you know, what does that mean? Because in some some places, that's like a religion, right? Evangelism. Um, but 
to me, it's just about sharing our mission and sharing what we do. And that's actually my role. It's to promote uh, the importance of cultural diversity and celebrating that in the world. Um, the other piece is the inclusive leadership and that really stems out of everything. So um, the Dream Africa Project is really a way to uh, kind of celebrate multicultural animations and films from around the world. And why is that important? Well, you have you know, 196 plus countries in the world, um, many different narratives and stories that people can use to learn about each other and learn about different cultures and become more curious and have more intelligent conversations. Um, and perhaps over time, uh, the repetition of living in a world where those stories are accessible changes our worldview. Uh, and so Micah talked about diversifying our networks. Well, if you, if you learn about a cool cartoon or film from Ghana or someplace that you've never heard of or never been, um, that will automatically increase your curiosity to learn more. Um, and it makes it easier when you meet somebody from that place. Like, oh, wait, I've heard of Seychelles before. You never heard of Seychelles before. But now when you have that connection, it makes it easier to build that relationship. Um, so translating that, uh, that passion, that spirit really for seeing a world that's connected with people who are building healthy, good, positive relationships, um, who, people who care about each other, people who have empathy, uh, people who are willing to listen to different perspectives. Um, that has now translated into my expertise. As you can see back here, I am a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach. Um, and I have devised just like these really awesome, engaging programs for typically large groups um, that are meant to help people see their role in building inclusion. Um, most of the time we think about diversity, we think about what we can immediately see. So if we're in the United States, that might be, you know, race, right? But if we're around the world, it could be any myriad of things. It could be our gender, it could be our sexual orientation, it could be our, um, our age, any kind of factors that we could think of. And I believe that when we start to see ourselves, how we engage with others, it doesn't matter. You, you, could, you could actually have issues with inclusion and exclusion in a room of people who are exactly the same race and exactly the same age. So it's those kinds of little aha moments that I hope to create. Uh, and that experience to me, creating that is where the leadership comes in. It's showing people that you, like you individually can be a difference maker. You don't have to wait for some chief diversity officer to set the policies right. You, you yourself can be the person who cultivates that environment where everybody's excited to come to work. Uh, so I hope that wasn't too long-winded. No, that was great. It's obvious you've got a lot of a real passion and purpose. How has the relationship theme helped you translate that into something you can do every day? Absolutely. Uh, as I think about the relationships that I've built, um, you know, I have two strong influences in my life. I have my parents. And from a very early age, I remember my dad, I'd see him uh, having conversations with the person who was bagging our groceries at the supermarket. Um, I'd see him having conversations with like the local like assemblymen where he was trying to like advocate for little changes in our community. You know, there weren't supposed to be these gigantic 18 uh, wheeler trucks riding on our block. So he was like, we need to get those things out of here. You know, but he was always having these conversations with all different kinds of people, and he never changed his own disposition. He was the exact same person with each and every person. It didn't matter if they were in a position of, let's say, influence or power, or a person who would be in a, in a position of perceived less influence or power. Um, and then my mom, you know, she actually just retired earlier this year. She's a registered nurse. And, um, you know, she just, she lives this beautiful life of compassion um, and care for others. And I think that those two values have really shaped, uh, shaped me and, and my engagements with other people. And my openness um, has been shaped as well by travel. Um, so, you know, so when I was 18 years old, I, I left the inner city here in Brooklyn to uh, go to Lafayette College. I won this awesome scholarship to go there. Uh, it's actually a leadership scholarship from the Posse Foundation. And what they do is they provide each scholar with eight months of pre-collegiate training which is all about kind of like having and facilitating conversations around like really sticky issues like social justice and like things that happen on campus that people who are currently there in perhaps a more hom homogenous student body may not be able to get from a perspective like mine or like ours. Um, so that sense of curiosity and travel, um, you know, 
lived in South Africa when I was 18 years old. Uh, I've traveled now to 20 plus countries. Uh, and I think just each of those experiences giving me a sense of just the human beings who are out there uh, has just increased my, like, just my desire to meet more people and to help people, no matter how disparate they think they might be, to see that how they're connected. Um, so, yeah, I think the relationships that I build are certainly true to me. Um, they're authentic. You know, when I say authentic, uh, I mean, is this, does it feel right to you when you're having this conversation? Um, and to me as a coach, I'm constantly seeking out what's good in people. Uh, so it feels right all the time. Um, and, and people are, are more likely to reveal secrets. <laughs> I mean, like I've had, like, as it, you know, this Mike, as a coach, like sometimes when you're listening and people can tell that you actually care, like I've had total strangers or people who I'm coaching for the first time or having a conversation with like share really personal stuff. Like, I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure if you should be sharing that with me, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's, it's fun, though. It's super fun. That's excellent. So you, I mean, you're just, your resume is incredibly impressive. It is it, it, very obvious that you follow this kind of social justice passion and that you are grounded in what you value. You, but you managed to make a job and a career out of doing this. Um, what what does that relationship talent help you achieve or, or produce? Or can you see a role of of relationship in that you're just not working for somebody else somewhere? Um. So I think that uh, it really comes out of a diversity of experience. Um, there's no way I could be effective doing what I do now. Uh, quick example: I was at a big company that you all would all know uh, two weeks ago. And the audience that I was talking to, half of the room had been at the company longer than I've been alive. Like I'm turning 30 in August and there are people there for 31, 32, 34 years. And having the experience that I had working in a corporation for a couple of years after college helped me to be able to understand at least some elements of that environment, maybe not for 30 years, but at least have taken a part in it. And I've had colleagues that were that age before, right? And without that experience, I wouldn't be able to contextualize all these deeply personal experiences that I also have outside of the workplace. Um, so I think it's been able to help me connect those dots. And in 2014, I left my corporate job at Bloomberg to pursue my own endeavors as an entrepreneur, both as this you know kind of speaker facilitator, but also pursuing the building of Dream Africa, you know, and... You know, I often think about this book back here, The Startup of You, which is really about looking at your life as its own business. And it's not so much about transactions as it is how would you like your business to be uh, kind of experienced by others. Uh, and so I don't, I, I hate having bad relationships. Um, I seek out the good and I give out the positive to other people because I want others to give that back to me. And so you'll find if you, if we if I was to give you a roster of all the people who have been a part of Dream Africa at some point over the last four years, um, I've probably brought in sixty or seventy percent of them, based on not even high like exclusive hiring. Mm -hmm. Like I met our our interim COO, Chief Operating Officer, when I was at a summit in Bangkok, and she was working at a uh, at a big bank, investment bank. We talked about Dream Africa there. And it turned out that maybe 10 months later, she's like, hey, I'm thinking about going to business school. And thinking about it means I actually just got into one of the best business schools and I need something to do for the next couple of months. And I was like, are you saying what I think you're saying? And she's like, yeah, I want to come work at Dream Africa. I was like, all right, perfect. <laughs> so, so I've been able to meet these wonderful people, build these crazy, like awesome relationships that people know what I'm about. And obviously, I bring this energy to everything that I do. So people are excited to be a part of it. Um, and, you know, whether it's for a couple of months at a time or somebody who I might meet. So our uh, one of our kind of product, uh, what would they call that? A uh, product manager, one of our product managers. Um, I met him through a, uh, a mutual friend. We all went out to lunch. Um, we were just talking about life and travel. And, you know, as I was listening to him speak, 
he had been a former dean at a uh, at a school here in in New York. And I was like, we need that real hardcore kind of education element. You know, so I kept it in the back of my mind during the lunch. And I said, you know, what? let me just plant the seed. I feel like he might be interested in this because he's into the travel thing. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a, a, a very curious person, asks a lot of questions. And I said, we should probably bring this guy in, but let me just kind of plant the seed. And I said, hey, man, you know, what, what are you up to for the next couple of months? And he was like, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. And I said, well, look, you know, if you want to work with me and just do something really awesome for the next couple of weeks, let's just get started and just check it out. Let me know what you think. And he wrote me like maybe a month later and he was like, hey, man, I've given this some thought and I want to go like I want to go in with you guys. Like, let's do this. And he came in and he was like a rock star. Like he really challenged like our thinking, um, you know, because we have a core team that's been here for a long time. And then we have people who we kind of bring in at different points. And he challenged us. And like that made our relationship stronger because it forced us to grow. Um, so it made our personal relationship stronger because I just appreciated the fact that he was willing to come on and be a part of what we're doing. But it also made our relationships as a team stronger because we said, wow, we have these really talented and driven people who are out there willing to come in and partake and they're challenging us to get better. So let's just get this right for a second. You are you're calling a dean. Hey, man, you want to do this? And you're speaking to a large organization. Half of them have been working longer than you've been alive. Where does, where does your courage come from? Oh man. Um, you know, I think honestly, early on, uh, my dad told me just don't be afraid of anybody. You know, I, I, he said, you know, don't let anybody in your life ever disrespect you. You know, don't let anybody in your life make you feel like you're less than. Um, don't let anybody in your life make you feel like you're inadequate. You know, and I'm getting a little emotional right now because I'm remembering like he's like the most influential person in my life, you know. Um, and I think those early, early lessons like they've shaped me. They've shaped me. And it, I say hello to the person who's cleaning the toilets, you know, when I go and use the bathroom at these, at these corporations, you know, I'm not sure how many people acknowledge them um, or say, thank you, you know, say, Hey, how you doing? Um, and I would expect, you know, the same to, to be the case for me when I walk into that CEO's office or meet an executive, you know, I, I'm not giving any special treatment. You know, I, I believe that we're all human beings and our roles don't define how we should be interacted with. Um, from a business perspective, I understand that you may prepare a presentation a different way for a CEO than for an entry-level employee. I get that. But from a personal perspective, understanding that we're all individuals, we all have emotions and feelings that we give every day and how we are treated and how we feel impacts if we want to hit that alarm clock on the snooze button again in the morning, if we feel like crap in the morning, or if we're like fired up and super excited about what we're about to do and the people that we're about to do it with. Um, and so to me, like, I just, I just live that. I just live that. I could care less about people's achievements and accomplishments when it comes to this makes me better than you. Mm-hmm. To me, it's just, it's, 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 it's a gift that you've been able to achieve so much. You know, and, you know, I've been, I've been privileged to be around extraordinarily accomplished people, extraordinarily bright people who uh, they have every reason in the world. They could be the most arrogant people that you could think of. But the choice, the choice is to choose humility. The choice is to choose to just continue to give, continue to share, uh, continue to be amongst, you know, this beautiful human family that we're all a part of. Um, and being a part of the TED residency program, I actually go into the TED Talks uh, residency class talks tonight. Uh, it's from six to nine. It's a beautiful show. There are going to be 23 different talks tonight. You know, people are trying to solve, you know, the world's litter problems, trying to solve homelessness, trying to clean up the oceans, you know, end mass incarceration, you name it. There are people there who are doing extraordinary, extraordinary things, but they they carry this sense of uh, confidence and like deep ambition, like I'm doing this. Like, I, I don't want to see another homeless person on the street kind of attitude. 
to this sense of humility, like in order to do this gargantuan task, I need as many hands as possible, like lifting up and doing it together. Uh, so there's this incredible sense of like, just openness to collaboration that only like is realized when you have that sense of humility and discovery and respect for others. So I try to live that every day. I think you just hit the nail on the head answering that question of what's the real power of the relationship talent. It is, you just drip with it um, because it's that you see the the human more than anything. And you connect easily when you, when you see it that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And there has been a question in the chat room as well about, do you make a determination as you're meeting people are you strategically kind of choosing who you're going to acknowledge and not, or is it kind of blast to everybody and then filter those connections through, uh, through that lens? Can you talk a little bit about that Torn? Yeah. Um, I think when I was, uh, a teenager, you know, entering, I would say college for the first time I had my first ever internship. Uh, I remember it was like, it was like a kid walking into a candy shop, you know, like I was just so excited to connect with every single person that was there. I was just like, but at that time, I don't think that, you know, my, this relationship talent had really matured and had experiences to be like cultivated and like sharpened and shaped. And uh, so now I understand kind of how to engage with other people. Um, and it, like I said, it's come from a lot of practice, a lot of practice when I say that, meaning just putting myself out there, being in these kind of rooms, being in different settings, um, you know, through travel. You know, I've had conversations with total strangers on, uh, I fly to California a lot, I'll be flying there tomorrow. Um, you know, I talked to a stranger for, you know, four hours on the, on a plane, <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, what are you talking about for four hours? Well, I've never met this person before. And if they're, you know, 40 years old, it's a lot of experience to cover. You know? so, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, I think, you know, I think for me, so connectedness is my, one of my strengths finder, uh, themes It's my number three. Um, and so I'm a big believer in, uh, right place, right time, right people, right conversations. Like it's all happening at all times for me. Uh, and so uh, I'll give you an example. I, I serve on the junior board of a nonprofit here in New York City focused on education. And uh, they had a career day there recently for their high school students. And I had a chance to go and I was on a panel with uh, with several people. And, you know, you get a a pamphlet that has everybody's bios and stuff in it, right? Now, I think this is going to be really valuable for you. When you open up that open up that pamphlet, you could look in and you could see people's pictures. Some people have like very professional pictures and they have their bios in there. And you could look at that pamphlet and look at those bios and kind of make some judgments ahead of time or set some assumptions ahead of time, right? About how this person might be or how smart they are or, you know, what they care about. For me, I stopped doing that. Because I have attended events where the bio is incredible and that keynote speaker is, I'm ready to have my socks blown off and they weren't great speakers or they were so disconnected from the cause or the thing that they were talking about that they're supposed to be passionate about. So in those experiences and also kind of having conversations at, you know, let's say a networking function or um, at a conference or something like that you realize that many people aren't really in touch in terms of that social awareness about, first of all, who they are, but also how they want to engage with others. And so for me, I try to limit and eliminate my judgments as much as possible. I try to challenge my assumptions before I engage with somebody. And when I walk into that room, if I'm standing next to the person, I'll have a conversation. Uh, you know, One, it allows me to get comfortable in that room. It allows me to learn something about that person. And something that Micah mentioned earlier was uh, kind of what are you giving to your relationships? I've literally walked into a room. And for me, somebody may say, well, did you? I don't think you walked out with anything because I didn't necessarily make a connection that might improve my business or something like that in that moment. 
But what I maybe did was I learned something about that first person who I talked to when I walked into the room. Someone that, that they're interested in, that they care about. And then the next conversation that I had, somebody says, oh, you know, I've actually been looking for opportunities in consulting or, you know, my, my, I have a big interest in, you know, helping out people who have disabilities. And it's like, oh my gosh, I actually just met someone. Have you had a chance to talk to her? And I make that connection and they, they go off and they do amazing things or they, they, they build a relationship. Case in point, uh, let's say maybe seven weeks ago, I posted in one of my social groups on Facebook uh, about an opportunity to work with my mentor, Frances Hesselbein, who maybe I'll share something a bit about her too. Um, they do, the Frances Hesselbein Leadership Institute does a community partnership award every year. And uh, they were looking for two people who have like grant uh, evaluation experience and stuff. It's a, it's a big job for like a short amount of time to select this community partnership uh, awardee. And I posted it in the group. I didn't hear anything back in terms of who they selected and stuff. And I heard from Frances' like core team member uh, a few weeks later. And she says, hey, Torin, uh, I believe their names. I can't remember their, both of their names. It was like Sam and somebody else. They were awesome. And I was like, who? <laughs> I didn't even know who she was talking about. <laughs> and and as, she, as she mentioned it, she said, oh, the people from Starting Block which is a network that I'm a part of for, for social impact. And I was like, oh, they got it? And she was like, yeah. And she's like, they've been working here for like four weeks. And I was like, wow, cool. Like, that's awesome. You know, I've never met these people before. The only thing that we have in common is that we share this similar social network, right? And the value of that, whether or not they reach out to say thank you, whether or not they reach out to say, hey, Torin, thank you so much for posting that experience. It's like, it's almost like uh, out there in the universe is like social capital that may like cash in at some unexpected point. You know, perhaps I post something like an, an, an ask for something, right? Like that was a give, but perhaps I post an ask and somebody who I've helped without knowing that I helped them says, hey, I'd love to help. And so hopefully that kind of gives some color to your question. Yeah. Or even says, hey, I, I can help someone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Torrent, you've used the word challenge a couple of times. Uh, you talked about, you know, people who've challenged you or, or ways that, um, that you can challenge others. What's the best way for you to, to challenge? I, I think sometimes we struggle with that. I place, yeah. what's the best way that you found to make that work? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to challenge us right now, actually. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to challenge us right now because, you know, we're living in a time where uh, we like to kind of stick to our beliefs. We like to stick to the way that we think. Um, you know, there are lots of uh, kind of divisional uh, conversations, dialogues, perhaps even propaganda uh, that you see in the media, in news, in our current political climate. And typically, you know, if you're having a, a dinner with your family or close friends, they say, you know, these are the topics you should leave off of the table, right? Don't talk about religion. Don't talk about politics, right? Because those things, for some reason, those particular topics, they are deeply, deeply personal, Right. And they, they resonate so much with our values that if you make an argument against a religion, if you make an argument against a political view, that can actually be seen as violating my own personal values. And so what happens is we tend to seek out those who support and reaffirm our views, those who support and reaffirm our values and, and how we uh, see the world. Uh, and so the beautiful thing about um, this inclusive leadership stuff is it shows us that when we are able to kind of step outside of that comfort zone, there's a reason why we do it. When, when, I, when I am in this chat room right now with you all and, and with Micah and with Jim, I know immediately that we have a love for coaching. I know immediately we have a love for strengths. 
I know immediately that we have a love for, for humanity and personal development. And those things, as I mentioned those commonalities, we are currently building trust right now. We're building our likability for each other. We're building, I'm, I'm, research has actually shown that I'm more likely to think that you're smarter, more likable, as I find out all the things that I have in common with you. So where this comes in is when you see a, a visual stimulus. So typically, you think of this as like the, the big six diversity factors, right? So you have uh, gender, race, religion, age, disability, and sexuality, right? These are typically the things that you can visually see on other people. You can make those judgments. You can make those assumptions about who they are, what their life might be like, what their interests might be, what their hobbies are, how they spend their weekends. And the truth is, until you ask a question, until you invite them for coffee or have a tea or take a walk, you have no idea. I'll give you an example. You know, I'm from Brooklyn. One of the other guys uh, who was in my TED class is from Brooklyn as well, right? Totally different life paths. I'm doing what I'm doing. He's an emergency medical doctor. He dresses in like camouflage pants and like boots and he's kind of stylish, you know, fitted hats. He travels all over the world. He's a big time like skier, hiker. Like I was just blown away with this person that I'm seeing. And he has a bunch of tattoos all over. I'm like, whoa, like this is a, this is a stimulus like overload right now. Like I have no idea what to expect. And I think that in moments that like that, that have shown me just, you know, don't put people in boxes, you know, don't just assume something just because of the way somebody's, the way somebody's dressed, you know, or the one or two things that you know about them based on, you know, perhaps a limited view or a limited moment that you had to spend with them, you know, and this kind of boils over into uh, conversations that I think we have all the time. You know, if you're on social media and somebody posts something that you don't like, don't insult them. Don't insult that person. Maybe, you know, make a counter argument based on, you know, the, the, the fact or the, the opinion that they shared, but don't attack them specifically. You know, and I think that there, there's, a, there's a room for growth for us, you know, as, as, as people in this society, as, as active citizens in this society, where we can have uh, more constructive conversations, where we can be a little bit more curious. You know, I like to think of it as three things. You know, it's respect for others. Um, it's the willingness and openness to listen to people with different perspectives. Uh, and that openness and willingness, it's, it's not easy because remember, we're constantly seeking out to feel good about ourselves, right? If you have a different perspective, you're probably going to challenge how good I feel about my own view, right? Or how good I feel about my own like self, right? Um, you know, it's almost like you have the NBA finals right now. You have the Cleveland Cavaliers and you have the Golden State Warriors, right? And the Golden State Warriors fans want to be around other Golden State Warriors fans. They don't want to hang out with anybody from Cleveland right now. But guess what? There are probably people who are in people's co-working spaces uh, who are Cleveland fans. And what are you going to do? Not talk to your co-worker for the next two weeks? What are you going to do? Hate them forever because they like LeBron? You know, like... <laughs> So, so I think it's it's opening our eyes and and showing showing that we care um, to to know and care to discover um, and treat other people like human beings. Toronto, I love, I love you're saying that. that. I think because that's the heart of connected your connectedness and your relationship. And you know, from from Strengths Finder to uh, to BP10, you know, you're interested in making sure that the community can stay together and can be consistent and can work together, right? We uh, we were talking, we we're having some um, conversation in the chat room about how we expect Wook, that Woo communication to be that relationship builder. And it's not. It's really sales. And oftentimes when we're pushing sales efforts forward, we're trying to get influenced into a certain area to get things done. And so we approach those one at a time. Mm. In relationship building, you come at it from the community first. And so yeah. how do we get things done? We get things done through community. I, I don't know of very many sales communities that exist out there. It's usually, <laughs> it's a salesperson, right? Getting, getting those kinds of things done. And yet what you're talking about and what we have to do in the political space or what we're doing in social communities or the work that you're doing um, uh, for Africa, it's going to take a community to do these kinds of things. And so 
I think you've really done a great job of outlining and adding, and I, I don't know, and maybe you can address that, how you're, because I see your arranger connectedness and ideation kicking in in your relationships, right? How can I get these, how can I use these people? How can I connect them in ways? And then how can I, it, you know, you walk into a room and I bet you know 20 different people when you walk out <laughs> and you're thinking, how can I use these people, right? Um, well, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's, it's less so, um, is less so about actually using the people. Yeah. It's more about, um, how can I help these people? Uh, how can I, um, how can I bring more people together? Um, and I think the, the, the use or the maximization of the relationship I think that I allow, I allow that to happen later. Um, so even for the individual salesperson, right? In many ways, I've lived that role, right? Since leaving my corporation, I go from a company that has thousands of people, tons of supports, people to, who build the decks for me and, and do all that kind of stuff. And now I got to do everything, you know, kind of solo, right? Um, and even thinking about building a quality relationship if I walk into the room and I try to make a sale right then and there on that spot and the person says, no, not interested. I actually watched this, uh, this movie last night, Guilt Trip with Seth Rogen and uh, Barbara Streisand. I don't think it was a very viewed movie, but you know, me and my dad were looking for something to watch and um, put it on. And uh, he's essentially a solopreneur. He's, he's back on his an organic chemistry and he's put together this formula for cleaning, cleaning around the house. Most of them are blue or yellow or something like that, which means that you can't drink it. And he has no idea how to sell. But all he's doing is he, he's got these wonderful meetings with like Costco's, like these major wholesalers, retailers. And as he goes in, he tries to make the sale. They say, nope, we're not interested. But maybe give us your card and we'll maybe keep in touch with you just as a courtesy. And throughout that experience, I just kept thinking, wow, you know, the benefit of being able to, one, present yourself, but also, two, to build a relationship. Because if you can't present yourself and you also can't build any relationships, there's for damn sure a lower likelihood that you're going to be able to succeed, especially as a solopreneur um, or as a, you know, a single or, or two-person sales team. And so I think about not so much let me find out about this person to get something, um, but I want to I learn more about what your pain points are. I want to learn more about, you know, how you got into this business. You know, what inspired you to create your company? What inspired you to get into this industry? You know, and I think that the conversations that we can have, even in those, even in those kinds of, you know, first meetings, uh, it's less about the product. You know, people you know, start with why is up here as well. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And within the why that you do what you do, you reveal your personal characteristics. You reveal the things that are important to you. And in that moment, you allow yourself to build a deeper connection with the people who you're talking to. It's not about the product because guess what? You may go invent something else and you might wish that you had that contact still that you could contact three years from now. And so sometimes it's about seeing the long game, even though the short game is I need money. I need to, like, my business needs to survive. The long game is, okay, how many seeds can I plant that are actually going to grow three, four, five, six years from now? Um, and so planting those seeds in terms of the quality of your relationships should be the mindset. You just cannot extract a relationship from you. I love this. It's it's just such a pure talent. Um, Torin, let me let me say one thing ahead. real quick. Torin, in your short game, though, I, I would I would probably think you're gathering people or to you know it, for the sales guy who's going who who's just going to sell right. They're going to sell early to get those sales. You're you're going to probably surround yourself with people who will help you financially continue to go until that long-term approach pays off, right? You have to kind of do that. I, I think about some internal, we've done some internal sales work here with, with our Gallup staff and we interviewed two of our salespeople that are, they're diametrically opposite. I don't even know if that's the right word, but they're opposite. And, and one approaches it from a relationship standpoint. 
and she's constantly saying, I don't sell anything. I build relationships mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah. things sell themselves. And then we have others say, no, I go in with a value proposition every single time. They're selling the exact same thing. <laughs> right? They're selling the same products. It's not yeah. different. It's the exact same thing, and yet they're approaching it two different ways. So yes. I, I really ha- I've really appreciated the way you're flushing this out because uh, I, I think oftentimes in, in the entrepreneurial world, in the builder world, we think it's all about that selling, that first bit, and you're really approaching this. You're giving us some great insight into how to build those relationships because those matter to you, right? Those matter to yeah. your style. So appreciate you digging that stuff out. Mike, uh, sorry I interrupted you. Thank you for that. No, that's, that's excellent. Good call out, Jim. I'm curious, how, how critically do you think about where you need to build networks? Uh, so Jeff in the, in the chat room says, you know, why do you join one group versus another one? Um, I think that it's, so on one side, I'm advocating for us to step out of our comfort zones in many ways, right? You know, if you go, let's say, I don't know if Jeff is, is works in a corporation or what, but you know, we tend to get into our routines. We go to the water cooler, go get lunch with the same people. Um, We talk about the same topics very frequently. Um, And so I'm encouraging kind of the stepping out of that comfort zone just to maybe invite somebody to lunch. You haven't had lunch with before. You've never had a conversation with before. Um, I loved, loved working at Bloomberg because you were encouraged to reach out to anyone in the company. And so I met with a ton of the TV anchors. I met with a ton of the leaders of the company just to have coffee and get to know them a little bit. Um, But I think, you know, in terms of uh, community, uh, I love talking about community because when you are doing something that's difficult or as you're trying to create this network of amazing relationships around you, it's really important to kind of find people who uh, share really good, positive core values that you have. And so as I think about Ted, as I think about starting block, as I think about one young world, you know, one young world is, been, has been called like the junior Davos, right? There are people who gather there from over 196 countries. And you could imagine the diversity of everything in that room. But the one thing that we all share is we care about making the world a bit better. We care about making social impact, whether that's in politics, in business, in the environment, you know, is like that cohort of people is gathered together as a, I would say a young, passionate, uh, motivated, driven group of people. And I think that for me, hearing their stories, um, being exposed to, to their work has helped me to think totally outside of the box. You know, I'm not just thinking about my experience here in the U.S. or in New York City. I'm thinking about how people are solving problems in other countries, different continents. You know, and that to me is how I approach building community. You know, the nonprofit that I that I'm on the junior board for, we are all in different sectors here in New York City, but we all care about education and improving education. And so we're brought together around that core value. Um, starting block. We all come from all different kinds of backgrounds. The average age is 28, but really, you know, participants are up to 40 years old. And each of us are at this starting block. Like we're starting again, you know, whether that's a new career or a new initiative within our corporation, or we want to start a new company, that starting point. So there are like these shared experiences that really bring the groups together. And I think once you have that bond, like I, that's the reason why I could post in one of these groups and get help. It's the reason why I'm not afraid to post and give something because we share that common value. So I'm not afraid to put my own uh, reputation on the line for somebody who's within that network. So I'd almost think about it that way. You know, are these pe- are these people who you would be proud to associate with that are within these communities that you're being a part of? Um, and when I say proud, I don't mean rank or role or title. I'm talking about the quality of the people who are there. It sounds like your relationship talent, just to sort of summarize this, really is all about finding commonality. Um, and, and noticing sort of that 
humanity across the board um, and, and finding uh, you, you just uh, completely supported the idea of having a title like um, inclusive leadership expert, because it is, <laughs> how do we find those, those common traits? How do we find what's the same and, and what's powerful about folks? Yeah. I think relationship talent as a whole, not everybody with high relationship might do it that way. Um, it, that's probably a lot of your connectedness, ideation, arranger piece. Yeah. You know, you could have great high relationship talent and do it by very quickly identifying how people feel or by understanding sort of social social justice or understanding how to even just connect um but that commonality theme is is really strong and it's i'm i'm convinced it is a it's a piece of the relationship uh theme no matter how you go about it but for you it's it's certainly your 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 sort of silver thread that that runs through all of it so thanks thank you thank you jordan i'd also add i think you think big and so there, <laughs> yeah. everything you've talked about, you know, there are those, uh, I think, in the in the relationship spectrum that um, they there are some. I don't think you always have to be a big thinker to be putting groups together or to be influencing groups in a way to get things done. I think that can be done at the small scale as well. But thank goodness you're thinking big. We need some big thinkers <laughs> on the planet. Uh, it's a big planet, and we got a lot of problems and uh, and a lot of uh, things that need to be solved. So, indeed, thanks for thinking big, and it'll be fun to watch you over over the next thirty years. So <laughs> much expect big things out of you. So, <laughs> much appreciated. Can I just share one quick thing with you guys? Yeah, yeah. You bet. So, um, in uh, June of 2015, uh, I was at a millennial talk at the 92Y, and the speaker was there, and she said, "Hey, we're going to be doing some book signings right after this." And when I walked up to the book signing table, I saw this very diminutive woman uh, sitting behind there. She was signing books. And I was like, that woman's an author of one of these books. So I found out later on that her name was Frances Hesselbein. I mentioned her earlier on today, um, but she's a Presidential Medal of Freedom winner. She uh, was the CEO of the Girl Scouts from 1976 to 1990. And um, she's been on the planet since 1915. And she serves as one of my mentors. And uh, Frances has this uh, saying that she really got from Peter Drucker, uh, who she had started. The Frances has my leadership institute was formerly the Peter Drucker Institute for Nonprofit Management. So this is what he was doing leading up to the days that he died. And she took it over and she built it. And it was renamed in, I think, 2012 after her. Um, and one of the things that she talks about is seeing yourself life-size. And so, Jim, as you talked about, you know, thinking big, seeing yourself life-size. I met this woman at uh, one of the functions that I was doing, and she came up to me afterwards, She and she was, like, visibly upset. And she was saying, like, you know, everything that she talked about today, like, being leaders and stuff like that, she said, I just don't feel it. I don't feel it. She's like, you know, I, I wanted to be an executive at this company, you know, but in the last five years, I haven't. I haven't progressed as I imagined and thought I would, I would. And I wish that I'd had the conversation with Francis before this, because I asked her for wisdom, you know, how, how would you handle that situation? And Francis said, you know, it's a shame that she's not seeing herself life size because that, that woman, she's stopped. She has mentally stopped herself from progressing in her career. Every single day she's thinking about why she can't, as opposed to why she can Every day she's thinking about not the other women who are in the organization who could be excelling to, ex excelling to executive roles or perhaps her daughters who might be coming after her, who her actions, whether or not she makes it, her progress towards that goal may help her daughters get there faster than she did. And so as we think about our own spaces and our own roles in our lives and our careers, like when we see ourselves life-size, the changes that we can make are so much bigger than what we may have within our limited views of ourselves. Like we can, our actions and our perseverance, our determination can be huge, huge influences to the people who are around us. Uh, so for those of you all who are listening and who will listen, uh, make sure you see yourselves life-size. Yeah, no, that's a great reminder, Micah. I think, you know, who, who would have thought you and I would have been doing something like this on a scale where we get to have this incredible influence. And I, five years ago, I was talking with somebody last night, I think Victor Seat, oh, who's on called the coach. And I said, if you would have told me five years ago, we'd be having these kinds of conversation and reach thousands of people around the world and the ability to reach hundreds of thousands or even millions 
uh, through what we're trying to do is a big deal. And if it had all been about being an executive somewhere, uh, this wouldn't have been on the road, on on the path. So, Torn, I appreciate you saying that because I think a lot of people are missing a lot of opportunities to be great in, as you say, life size in their current life situation, mm-hmm. either with their own children or and where they're working or doing the best at what they have available to them right now and not wishing uh, that, that there's somewhere they're not. Micah, we, we have gone over a little bit. Anything, any final thoughts before I wrap this? It just all goes back to why we do this in the first place. You know, Jim, earlier you mentioned you can be a salesperson who does it with a value proposition or who does it with a relationship. There's no right way. You've got to know what you have to give and it's your obligation to give it. But that's why we do these calls is so that everybody can be a little bit more life-size and embrace the way that we're different because that's the way that we're powerful. Yeah. So thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you again. I'd say know your tool set and then I'd go out there and just hammer away with what you people did. (laughs) Because uh, we've all got, yeah, we've all got some great stuff and uh, and it's just taking advantage of that. Speaking of that, remind everyone to take full advantages of all the resources we have available at the, at the Gallup Strength Center, just gallupstrengthcenter.com. Send us your questions or comments. If you've got uh, questions after the program here, send us an email, coaching at gallup.com. You can also catch all the recorded stuff that we've done. We have plenty of these programs and we're, I think we're eight into 10 on these talent themes. They're available on our coaches blog. Check on the topic section of the blog. It has all these listed, coaching.gallup.com. If you're interested in becoming a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, you have a list of all of our courses that lead to that at our courses site, courses.gallup.com. And don't forget, if uh, all our BP10 courses, no matter where they're at and what time of the year it is, or if you might be listening to this two years from now, head out to our courses page, courses.gallup.com. If you found this helpful, we'd ask that you share it. We want to thank you for joining us today. With that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.